Productions. Yes! Welcome back to Go Deep the Podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we have an opinion like we have a clue. Thank you for coming back. And here's your host, John Nothing Doe. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the show. We have another exciting show for you today. Today, we have a story that's both enraging and encouraging. And when you hear from my guests, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. On today's show, we have Robert Lettiger. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Good morning to you. How are you? Ah, uh, you know, I, I every day a podcast, it's a good day. So it's a good day. Uh, Great day. That's awesome. <laughs> so, Robert, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you coming from? Like, where are you out or living out and around? Uh, right now, currently, I live in uh, Florida. I'm originally from New York, the, the five boroughs. I grew up in Queens, New okay. York. Yeah. And uh, about five five years ago, me and my wife relocated to Florida, Southwest. Sunshining Florida. I love it. So yes. prior yes. to those five years, you went through some pretty interesting, interesting stuff. Now, before we go there, just to kind of reiterate, I know we talked off air for a quick second. You were a part of the service, the Navy SEALs. Is this correct? Uh, no, I wish I was. I was within, <laughs> I was in the Navy. I was, uh, I was uh, military police in the Navy. It's called Master at Arms. Okay. And I did about seven years. I was in Desert Storm. You know, I had seven active duty years and I was dishonorably discharged, went into the U.S. Marshal Service right after that. All right. So for anybody that's wondering, the U.S. Marshal Service, that's is that a, that's a federal police board, is it not? Yes, it is. Yes, it's a federal federal law enforcement. It's the, the first and oldest U.S. law enforcement agency in the United States. It oh, was wow. created by uh, George Washington. Oh, wow. See, it got a little bit of a history lesson there for us Canadians who may not <laughs> know all that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say you had a pretty incredible career with the U.S. Marshals all the way up until a couple of years ago. What position, uh, before we go, we, we paint this picture for everybody, what position were you in at the very end of your career at the, at the U.S. Marshals? Oh, sure. At the end of my career, I was a, a supervisory deputy U.S. Marshal, um, and I was uh, the supervisor within the Eastern District of New York, which is Brooklyn, and it covers Queens, Staten Island, Nassau, and Suffolk County out in Long Island. We have a, a lot of territory on our plate. Yeah, it seems um, like a lot of territory. It's huge. And Brooklyn is the eighth largest district in the nation within the states. So there's 94 districts, and Brooklyn is ranked number eight. It's a large office. We have a lot of work. Um, and I was in the Warren Squad. It's the it's probably the, the most exciting job within the, the U.S. Marshals. Um, you know, you're going after fugitives. You're going after America's most wanted or international most wanted. You know, we worked a lot of international cases. I had a couple of cases up in Canada throughout my career. Oh, wow. And um, I was part of the uh, the New York, New Jersey Regional Fugitive Task Force, which was which is still the largest fugitive task force in, um, in the States. And it was the first one created right after, um, unfortunately, September 11th. And going, we, we work with everybody from the NYPD to the Suffolk County PD, all within the New York task force. So it's, it's huge. And it's a, it's a great, great job. I had a lot of fun. It was a, it's a tough career. Um, and I did 25 years. Were you uh, decorated in your position as a U.S. Marshal? I would say yes. You know, not to blossom my ego, but yes, <laughs> I received, um, I received a lot of rewards and recognition. I had a, you know, as we're, every year we're given a ranking evaluation and performance plan and you know for a good 20 years i always um 
came out as outstanding um, by my my bosses, by my leaders, by my uh, chiefs within the district. And uh, the men and women who worked for me, they all performed at outstanding levels. I mean, they did, you know, some of the most dangerous work in law enforcement. They went after, you know, fugitives, you know, violent felon fugitives that are, you know, you're going to jail. They're on the run. And uh, they got major criminal cases on their back. So they, they're putting up fights. They don't want to go. You know, they're, they're hiding out. And these guys, the guys and girls I worked, that worked for me searched for them and, and made some great, great arrests during my career, uh, as well as I did. When, before I was a supervisor, I was a deputy U.S. marshal, so I worked a lot on the street. You know, I was very lucky to get promoted and become the supervisor of the same, same squad I worked in. So it was, it was great. That's, that sounds amazing. So now let's go back to... 2015. In 2015, this is when this all started coming to a head. You and your position, your job, and your duties and responsibilities. So you had, um, I don't, am I allowed to say the name of this individual or should I just uh, kind of bypass Oh, no, yes. She's, no, she's out there. She's given um, interviews and uh, yeah, please. All right. So it became, you became aware from talking with Don Mahoney about her sexual orientation and how she was being hazed at the workplace. Now, what can you tell me about some of this hazing? Did you witness some of it, or is this something that you just kept hearing about? No, unfortunately, I I, I didn't witness what she had reported, but I did witness, you know, the, the childish antics that went on in the office space. As far as what happened to Dawn, unfortunately, she came to me and told me that some of these men within the, the task force itself had been bullying her and mocking her and degrading her into harassment. And it just escalated to an actual physical assault and sexual harassment, all because she was a lesbian. In the, the office itself, where Dawn had worked was, you know, male dominant, which should have no effect on this whatsoever. Dawn is a U.S. Army veteran and a decorated U.S. Marshal, and she was selected to work in the Fugitive Task Force. And it, you have to earn that position, and she did. And she was a team leader, and she would give instructions and directions to the men that worked with her. Well, they didn't want to listen to her or work for her. They weren't fans of her lifestyle or the way she was. So for, for a few months, they would um, leave sexually provocative stuff on her desk, like porn, adult magazines, you know, mainly of women. They would play bad music on their computers. They would pull up pornography on their computers where you would just hear the sounding of moaning and sexual acts. Oh, wow. And then they would even go deep and talk about it and ask her what it's like to be a lesbian. And But it wasn't like a, a formal conversation. It was very degrading. And they would ask us explicit sexual acts of what it was. Then it just led up to one, one guy actually touching her and forcing her every morning to kiss him hello. Oh, wow. Before the work start. And that man actually would start touching her more and more and in the office and then rub up on her. Jesus. And it was just insane. And, and you know, maybe we, we saw it, but we couldn't believe it. And then when she told me I had brought that to the attention of the actual supervisor that I worked with, and he ignored it. Unfortunately, he and I got into arguments, and people have heard about that. And one of the other guys on the task force actually confronted her while they were on the street making an arrest. They were in a fugitive's house, and Dawn was actually holding bay a witness in the house, a resident. And the one man walked up and shoved her, hit her, rammed her, and caused her to fall off balance and gave her a look. And the look she took was reading through his, his eyes of, like, we can get to you wow. if you talk. Like, don't break the blue wall. 
And it was so, it's so sad that that happened when like these men, there was about five of them that would pick on her. And it just got, and when it got to that level is I physically got involved and I removed her from the task force and went at it with a bunch of these guys in the task force. And we were, we were nose to nose. We were going to fist fight. Oh, wow. And uh, we had a, we had a reporter to our chiefs and then it went up to headquarters. And when it went to headquarters, that's when it went real bad because as I said earlier, the task force is, was created after September 11th. It's funded by Congress. Yeah. So this task force is ran by headquarters, and I work in a district, so we're two different divisions. For this to get exposed like that, there was sexual harassment and an actual assault. And, you know, the bullying, it just couldn't be tolerated. And the Congress, you would think, would flip out. And, I mean, you know, Senator Grassley was doing investigations into misconduct, and now this was a— this was going right to the top of the list. Well, two or three of the um, the upper echelons of the marshal service in headquarters decided not to let internal affairs investigate these these accusations, these complaints. Instead, they they designated a, a another marshal, a deputy U.S. marshal, who was part of the task force to investigate themselves. Oh wow! As being professionals in law enforcement, we all know, and even in the legal field. And even just, you know, realizing you can't investigate yourself. You can't let your friend investigate a friend. No, because it would be so biased. It was totally biased. And they came back and it took them a couple of months. And they said Dawn was lying and Dawn was the problem that she, you know, wasn't working well with these five other men. And that then it came out and said that I was a bad supervisor because of the way Dawn acted. And it was just blown. It was mind blowing. We were like, they denied everything. And then we eventually came up, well, we, Dawn, eventually came up with actual physical evidence and photographs and hard evidence to show what they did of how they were so bad and like having pictures of the stuff they put on her desk. And she she made an, an, an actual documented complaint that one of them urinated in her food. And left it on her desk. That's what I was going to ask you um, it, about that. So not only were they physically touching her, obviously um, embarrassing her in front of, you know, colleagues by trying to make them do, make her rather uh, kiss them and grabbing her inappropriately or hitting her. And that, and then I think you said the story, it was a cookie jar, right? Like she, they were urinating in yeah, a cookie jar would, on her desk. Yeah, she would put cookies on her desk in a jar for everybody to eat. It was for the, for all within the office. Yeah. We don't know how long the urine was in there, but she found it one day. And it's a secured area. You just can't get into the workspace that she was in. So there was those men sat around her and you just knew it. You, We all know how it is. Yeah, we don't have the solid evidence, but you knew who did it. You knew the guys were part of that. Nobody, n- no other person is going to come and do that. And they're adults. It's really sad because these men, they all are married and they're married to women. And some of them even have daughters. And they allow this to happen. So I'm married. I have no children, but I have a younger sister. And I was raised that you have to protect, you know, your your younger sister. Yeah. And she was a coworker, and she was innocent in all this. And I, I, it just breaks your heart to know that this was happening to somebody that you worked with. And she's a friend. And she was a coworker and then a subordinate. And, you know, she came to me for help. And I tried to do the best I could. But unfortunately, our, our management in headquarters just screwed it all up. And then what made it worse is when they were being investigated by themselves, some of these men went on to make 
accusations against me and to try to detour their investigation, which it actually did. And they reported that I now, I, I'm, I'm a supervisor. I have 20-something years on the job. Yeah. And all of a sudden, these men who worked with me for years, and now they're saying today, back then, I'm sorry, back then at that specific time that I was a racist, I was a drug addict, I was stealing drugs, I was um, associated with felons, I was cheating on my wife. I mean, you, the, the, the accusations were so mind-boggling, and it just it just escalated more and more and more. It was and like an active way to try to destroy a, your personal life, it seems. Oh, it was just, they destroyed my character, and it was it's disgusting. And then what happened was, you know, because I was very, very loud at going against headquarters for what they were ignoring, you know, one of our own. She's a deputy marshal, and our own agency is going against her and siding with these other people. Some some of these guys were not even marshals; they were local cops, and they were they were brought onto the task force. So all you had to do is remove them from the task force and clean up within house and set standards. And we had standards. If a person comes forward and says they're being sexually harassed, you have to separate everybody, and you create a you have to start a full investigation, a specific investigation. And they failed to do that. Yeah. They failed to acknowledge that she's making a complaint of being sexually harassed. And don't you want, if, even if she was wrong or making it up, don't you want to find the truth instead of putting more lies on top of the investigation and just letting it get blown out of control? And that's what they did. And it was it was horrible. And we, we figured it out that the reason they did it is because the, the leadership at headquarters did not want the embarrassment. They did not want it to go forward to Congress and lose funding or be outed as bad leaders hiding things and creating more lies wouldn't that create more of a black eye and more of an opportunity for congress not to fund you opposed to yeah we had an incident and we investigated and the people involved were taken care of kind of thing oh you you would you would believe so but you know unfortunately with the the silliness within american politics is one you know con- there were several politicians involved to include peter king christian gillibrand and Senator Grassley office. And they were writing letters, you know, and they're a templated letter. It's formatted. And they would write it to the, the general counsel of the U.S. Marshal Service to demand an investigation. And then, you know, the marshals would respond and say, yes, it's under investigation and we can't report about it now. And it would linger for months, months going to years. So the last five years of my career from 2015 to 2020 i was under full-blown internal investigation oh wow as a a target as a target as a subject robert what are these types of investigations like how how do they do these investigations on you they just they linger and they look at you they pull up your your personnel file and your background and they go through your cell phone and your phone calls and your text messaging and they just Keep it pending. And they can do that because they say they're overworked and scheduling conflicts and manpower issues, emergency matters that come up. So you're just pending. And while you're pending under investigation, you can't get promoted. You can't transfer. You can't do special assignments. You're just a lame duck sitting there. Oh, shoot. And it goes on and on. And then they just keep adding more to it, hoping to build enough damaging information to hurt you, and which they do. And in the beginning, you would think I'm being accused and questioned as being a racist, as being somebody that hates people. And I'm being used, accused of using drugs and selling drugs and stealing drugs. You would think a federal law enforcement agency would take me in and take away my badge and my gun and my position and give me a drug test. They did nothing. Oh, so they wow. put, they let these 
accusations linger and accuse me of crimes, legit crimes. I had to go hire lawyers. And in the end, it was so sad because I'm not an angel. I'm not a perfect person. I make mistakes. And they saw some mistakes I made on stuff that had nothing to do with the accusations made against me. So my internal affairs did was they had accusations that they can investigate, but they could also dig into me. And they looked at things and they they accused me of lack of candor when I was being interviewed with internal affairs that I didn't tell the truth during other questioning. But it was never found that I had lacked candor because the chief investigator said I told the truth, but the deciding official didn't believe that. She thought I should have admitted stuff before I was even questioned about what I was being questioned on. It's just insane. And you look at it and lack of candor is nothing more than a created government antic to destroy one of their employees to say that, you know, it's their opinion that I wasn't forthcoming. And that's what got me ultimately in the end. And in the end was I was going to retire within two months and they fired me for conduct unbecoming. So what makes it so frustrating is that I was being investigated as doing crimes, but yet they fired me for an administrative mistake that was well explained away and even supported by my own district leadership. I was fired for ultimately defending the young lady that works for me for coming forward because that if she had not come forward and told me and I didn't report it there would be no investigations into me because it would have just continued yeah it would have that sounds like it it would have made it like even worse for her and that's a possibility where it would have made it worse for her and it made it so bad and unfortunately this is a young woman who's going home and crying every night and scared and what this led to it destroyed her personal relationship with her partner it destroyed, it messed up her health and her well-being as much as it did me. It destroyed me. It destroyed me financially and physically and mentally. But thank goodness for my wife, my family, my friends, and even so many co-workers that stood by my side. The young lady, Dawn, she was able to retire. But before she retired, she filed an EEO against the Marshal Service for what they did to her. And what's an EEO? And an equal employment opportunity um, case where she was treated at Miss Fairley. Okay. And she won. They settled. They settled because they didn't want to go to a, a hearing with her. And she won. She won some money and she got some, she got a promotion and she was pretty much left alone for a good year or two before she could finally retire. And she retired successfully and, and is and is living a, a nice life. Unfortunately, went through a few years of hell after I was fired. But like I said, with the help of my wife and, and family and friends and even coworkers, I was, I was educated and I learned that with all my years of service, my seven years in the Navy and, and almost 25 years with the Marshal Service, I was able to go back into the government and apply through the Office of Personal Management. And I was able to retire. I was able to get my, my 32 years of service and my pension and my medical benefits. But it took three years to do that. And while doing all that, still today, I have an active appeal of my case for the decision that the marshals fired me with this court called the Merit System Protection Board to get reinstated and to get my full U.S. Marshals retirement recognition and to receive back pay and attorney fees and some other expenses. But it's a, you know, it's a court process and it's just lingering. But thank goodness there's some great people out there that can help you along the way. And I I found them and they helped me. And it was all because I helped another person on what you're supposed to do. Yeah, just a a normal human being wouldn't want to see another normal human being suffering is the, the best way I can think of it. 
So let's go back to this. Um, so you, you get walked out the building or you get told not to come back to work. Well, process. no, can I, can I stop you? Yeah, please. Can I stop you before you, you go further with that question? It, what makes it so much more terrible is I wasn't walked out the building and escorted out or pushed out. I was fired in April of 2020. This is during the worldwide COVID pandemic. Yep. The shutdown. The world is shut down. These people making decisions for the marshal service, they were working at home. They weren't even doing law enforcement work. They're home. And yet, two months before I could physically retire, and I was given the green light to retire by human resources, they turned around and said, you're going to be terminated during the pandemic because we don't have the, the faith or confidence in you to perform at a satisfactory level. Wow. Which is very true. It's very right. I, I don't perform at a satisfactory level. The last 20 years, I performed at an outstanding level. I was going to say. And if, yeah. the, if the fools making these decisions would have read my package and looked at my performance ratings, I did more than they ever asked for. But yet, I went up against them. I called out the leadership that they were bad and they hurt one of our own. And I have no regrets for that. And I would do it again today because you're not supposed to do what they did. They ultimately lied. And thank goodness my my attorneys and some of my coworkers who helped me with my cases, they found the truth and the facts and the evidence. And it's on my side. I just need my, my moment, my time with this court, the Merit System Protection Board. And it's there. So what's the process for and you? It's just so time. You, you get fired and you get told all this. What is the first thing that happens for you, Robert? You Are you just devastated and you kind of sit around the house and you're just kind of like head in hand? <laughs> are you like making I, phone calls to start trying to get things arranged for, you know, this challenge of your, oh, your immediately, challenge of your life? I, oh, yeah. And it, you have to have, I had to hire lawyers because as federal agents here in the States, we don't, we're not part of a union. We don't have legal representation. We have to hire our own. Oh, wow. And I did. And I have great lawyers, but they're expensive. They're very expensive. And you need great people that know what they're doing and know this type of case, this type of law. Um, so, you know, I was, though, I was down and out and I'm still down and out. It sits in your mind. And I believe so because you've accomplished so much. You know, from going from being in the military to going into law enforcement and doing such a doing heroic work, you know, and 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 you're put on a, a pedestal of, to earn such great accolades. And then they take it all away from you and they lie. And that's what crushes you is when you you read what they write about you and they they make you out to be this bad person, this evil employee, you know, but I did it for 24 years and 10 months. And if I was that bad, you would think they would notify everybody throughout my whole career to file a complaint against the marshal service because they had worked with me, you know, but yeah. they do nothing. They just, they just out you and they, they walk away and it's like, they wash their hands of you and they think nothing of it. And here you are at 50 years old. Like, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. But I say, and, and I, I thank goodness for my wife and it's just me and my wife. And she gave me about two weeks to be depressed and and there's moments you just sit there and you cry and it, it, they crush you and now i lost everything i have no money i have no job i have no medical insurance and it's the worldwide pandemic what are you going to do yeah it's not like you can go out there so and start I, working at walmart <laughs> no you can't and i put in to go work at like home depot and they wouldn't even hire me so you just have you start you focus on your case and you do the best stuff you can with your attorneys but you still have to survive you still have to do things and i did i i contacted the for me i contacted the the Veterans Affairs Office, and um, they helped me. You know, they helped me along. They got me medical benefits and, uh, you know, to speak with a, a, a counselor and just to get all this pressure that's building up in your head out to talk about it and to get yourself going and get healthy. And I did. 
what was, what was their reaction when you were explaining what you were dealing with and why you needed the services? Unfortunately, it was not a shock because they've seen it before. Oh, they've wow. seen people like me come stand up for, for people and doing the right thing and being retaliated against and targeted and you know, destroyed. And it just comes down to pure retaliation, like people coming after you for, for standing up and telling the truth against bad people, bad people that were law enforcement amongst us. And it's so disappointing, yes, but they helped me. Least. And uh, I can't thank them enough. I can't thank so many people enough for, for coming forward. It's like you give me the opportunity to talk now and share my story. And that's, that's what's going out there. And when you have this opportunity to talk about this, it makes me feel better. It gets it off my chest and I get it out there, but I'm helping other people. People are calling me because they're going through what I went through and they don't know what to do. And here uh, here I am, I'm still going through it, but you can't let down these other people that are calling. And they're veterans or they're law enforcement officers, and they're just looking for somebody at the, the same level to talk to and figure it out. And you do it. And I won't, I won't stop doing it. I won't stop pushing it out there. And if I was doing something wrong, my own lawyers would correct me. Yeah. But I'm, I'm here. And if I was that bad, nobody would talk to me. Nobody would want to hear the story, but I didn't. I, I my story's out there. There's people that know everything. The, the facts are there. There's court documents. They're there. You yeah. know, there, there's nothing you can make up about this. Do you think and it was all for helping sorry. someone. Yeah. Do you think that with Dawn's case having an, um, a majority win and her being financially benefited, do you think that's going to have a positive effect on your case that you're going through right now? I think so. And I'm not a I'm not a scholar or a lawyer, and I hope it does, and um, it will come out. And something I said in the very beginning is, as much as I help Dawn through her stuff, she's helping me. She's yeah. right there with me because she's taking blame for what happened to me because of what happened to her, and that's sad, and it's a shame. But I'm very grateful that she's standing side by side with me. Of course. And she knows. And it's it's a great thing. So we're not li- you can't lie about that. You can't you can't. It's there and we we put it forward. Has it, has it ever occurred to you that you know with all these people reaching out that maybe you have a service to provide um other people outside of like just talking to them but almost having like a a line of work now where you're basically helping people fight against the system that fought against you? I do. And I I embrace that. I really I I enjoy it. But I was I, I had people talk about me and, and coworkers and subordinates and even other leaders or bosses, and they, they would identify me as a, a real tough guy to work for or to work with. But you know what? All those people wanted to work with me or work for me. And it's a great compliment because yeah. I had to make sure people made it home every day. You're gonna, you could die. And I've been, we've been involved in shootings, and it's the scariest feeling in the world, and I don't care how tough you are. You know, going into it, the unknown is scary. And when we were doing it every day, and we made it home, and everybody I worked with made it home, and thank goodness. And I, now this is my own self-belief for me. I, I don't want to come off hard or, or cold, but I relied on me to get through it. And I had my wife and my family and my friends. I didn't, I didn't fall into religion. I didn't fall into medication. I didn't fall into alcohol or drugs, you know, and I don't know what it is. And I feel so bad for some men and women that 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 happens to, that they don't have an, an outlet. And my outlet was, was my wife. It was my wife helping me every day. And like, thank goodness for her because she read every document. And she would talk to the lawyers and she knew more than me. And she saw it clearer than I saw it because I'm in it. It's me. 
Yeah. And she was the one that would not let me stop fighting. And it what kept me in the very beginning to, to go through it, even till today, is just the simple words of her looking me in the eyes and saying, I'm so proud of you for protecting Dawn. That's so amazing. how could you turn your back? You can't turn your back on that. And that's all I needed. Yeah. That was it. And then, and then my mom and dad were right there, my sister, my friends from grammar school and coworkers, even from the... The Eastern District where I work, dozens of them on my side, and they, they had the courage and the confidence to write letters of support for me. And they put their name and they signed it and submitted it knowing that they could be targeted. And yeah. some of them were, and some of them were retaliated again for supporting me and calling out the way our headquarters handled it. Could you recall how any of them uh, retaliated against those supporters of yours? Yeah, the biggest one was my chief in the in Brooklyn in Eastern District. They went after him and they targeted him for investigations for writing letters to support me. And they, they went after him as if he was mismanaging the budget within the district. Wow. This man's a lawyer and a scholar and they're going after him like that because he called them out too. I can't imagine it went well for and them. And then they no, they didn't and then they because my my chief had to help from my attorneys and they had so much information to push forward. Oh, wow. And then in our district, we had a great relationship with the, the U.S. judges and the U.S. attorney's office and they're on our side. I can't, so it would make you I think like this. a couple people from, it's hard, it's hard, but it happens. It happens every day. Look at, you see it on, on the, the news in Canada and in the States. Again, you know, lower ranking officers um, coming forward and calling out the corruption or the evil or the bad people within the departments and nothing happens. They get targeted. They go, they get bullied and harassed and retaliated against. And it's sad. And the, the whole sexual harassment, what's happening today against, against men and women, it's just so wide open. And everybody's letting it go because you don't want to go after the people who are in positions of leadership because there's so so much time on a job or their titles that you're afraid yeah. or you're towing the company line. Like, why is that? There's bad people at every age, at every position. Just tell the truth, but don't slip it to go after the victim, you know, the person who's being victimized. Holy. Yeah, or victimized for sure. Now, with your experience and how this all um, went and how it's still all going, do you have almost like a formula now of steps you should do if this is happening to you? Yeah, and unfortunately for me, and it's been, and I'm I'm well aware of it, is that I, I should take a deep breath before I say some words. And I would recommend that to everybody. Think before you speak. Think before going toe-to-toe with the number two guy of your agency and calling them out. Don't, don't, yeah, I, it's the courageous thing to do and the right thing to do, but think about it. And that's unfortunate. I did things like that, not realizing that my own agency would abuse their power and come after me behind my back. Yeah. And I would recommend guys, guys or girls who are going to come forward to have it all, to have it documented, to have a witness, to have photographs, evidence, hard evidence, and go to the right leadership on reporting these matters. And and ha when you report something, have your agency policy in hand with your representative with you. Don't just go off of it with the, the belief that there's no one's going to backstab you, you know, or they're going to they're going to uh, manipulate your lack of education in doing the right thing. And it's really sad that you have to worry about your partners at your own agency cutting your legs off. And that's what happens. And it still happens today. We see it. And it's, it's heartbreaking. But I I would. I encourage people to come forward and tell the truth. Always tell the truth. And always, when somebody comes to you for help, help them. I can imagine what your psychotherapist 
therapist must have had to say once you explained everything that was going on. I can't imagine. The well, I went from it, it was that's a that's a story in itself. And my stories just keep getting bigger and bigger. But when I, after I was speaking with a counselor at the VA, I actually, they asked me to speak with a, a therapist, a psychotherapist, a doctor. And it was, it took, you know, about a year before I did it. And by that time, my story was out there, it was in the media. And I have a police foundation helping me. And I just told the, the doctor just to Google me. And he did. And a, a day or two later, he came back. He's like, it happens every day. Just like that. It was like, what a what a punch in the stomach to hear that from him. And he turned around and said, he goes, something similar happened to him. Oh, wow. That he was targeted. So it, what a great talk I had with this man. And, you know, we I would go on walks. I would walk five or seven miles a day. And when I was outside, I would listen to music and just walk and clear your head. And then I would talk to my therapist for a good hour or so while I'm walking. And it was great. It gave you so much energy to go forward. And that, that for me, is what I needed. And I'm very grateful to the VA for, for helping me. So many others, I hope that they help. Yeah, no kidding. This I can't even imagine the whole, like, um, <laughs> the whole process right from uh, start to finish. And even though you're not finished, what is the estimated time before your lawyers think this might be all said and done? They actually thought it would have happened because my case is so interesting, but it's very complex. There's so many people involved and there's so much documents to go over. So they think, you know, another year or two before I'm afforded the opportunity to present myself, which I'm very, very fine with because I did get my retirement and I'm working. I work as a security consultant for a private nonprofit organization. So I do some traveling. Oh, nice. You know, I, I take advantage. I'm 53 years old. You still got to keep moving. I still have bills to pay. We had to, when this was going on with me and my wife, you know, there were some bad things happening to us at our own house. And we knew people were watching us. We had unmarked cars, police cars outside on my block. And they were, you know, my neighbors were concerned. Yeah. And then people were coming into my driveway onto my property and putting screws into the tires of our cars, into my own personal car, my work car, even my wife's car. Wow. This is how bad it got. So I, and it, there's evidence. We have the photographs of it and it just doesn't happen. Like my, I lived in a nice neighborhood. My neighbors weren't coming and doing that. No. And all of a sudden I had unmarked police cars and I'm under investigation and I'm getting into, I'm practically getting into fist fights with coworkers. And now also, you're putting screws in my tire, the tires of my wife's car. So she was afraid and I couldn't. How can I protect her? Uh, this, I lived down in Long Island. I lived about an hour away from where I worked in Brooklyn. And that's what we, we were forced to sell our house in New York. And move, we moved to Florida and got away from everybody. And I was still working. My wife works from home. And I would have to stay in New York because I was waiting another year to retire. And I would go back and forth. Me and my wife were, were living apart because of this. Yeah. Because of this investigation against me because of what my own agency did to me. And they didn't want to hear it and they knew I was being threatened. Yeah. They knew people were threatening me. They read the they interviewed these people and they put it in their own statements to internal affairs that they were they would go to a baseball game because they knew I was there. Wow. They would go into certain certain 
acts or uh, certain jobs or where we were working to arrest somebody because they knew I would be there just to intimidate me or to get me to, to shoot my mouth off at them and they could record me or have a witness. Like you're trying to set people up and it's all of signs of retaliation. And my own agency knew it, but they didn't care. They ignored it. They just kept coming after me. Just to come back forward later on and say they fixed the problem and they fired an employee, a supervisor. Wow. And then the other people that were involved, the bad people that were involved, the other supervisor, just like me, they attempt, they, they proposed to fire him as well because they know he lied in his interviews. But wow. he was able to retire. They let him retire. Another marshal, he retired years before it started exploding these investigations. He left early. The one man who was grabbing Dawn and rubbing up against her, he was a, a local cop. He was a state trooper. He retired as soon as she made the complaint oh, within wow. 30 days. The one guy who hit Dawn, he was actually just physically removed from the task force, but he was able to go back to his own local agency and work because they didn't investigate him. They let it go. And then another guy, they he left the task force and went back to his department and nothing happened to him. But my own agency just kept coming after me. Jesus. And I think today they're still looking at me. I've heard comments here and there from people to be careful that they're they're following me on, on social media, you know, on, on LinkedIn where I, I put my story out there. That they're following me. Like what what like and I come back and I say something funny to people like, Who the hell is Bobby Lettiger that you're so interested in or concerned about? Yeah. Wow. But they have they're focused on me for something and I'm still I'm still here. I'm out there working. I have a, a huge organization that they know what happens to me and they're supporting the hell out of me. And I'm still married. I've been married for all, just went over 25 years to the same woman. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm still friends with the same guys and girls I went to, to grammar school with, all the people I worked with. So when it's this, unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. It is very unfortunate. When this case is done, what is the, what's the outcome you're looking for? I'm sure it's not simply financial. I believe you'd want some kind of overall happening so this isn't this didn't happen to anybody else. Would this be correct? Yeah. And and I still want for my own self for it to really be documented by a judge that go, you were retaliated against. So I'm like, I just want it to be documented from a, a, a third person, not from the agency and not from me and my lawyers, but from a judge to go through everything and see all the, the truth and the facts and the, the case laws and go, yeah, you are that person who was retaliated against for doing your job and being a human being and telling the truth and helping someone. That's it. Simple. There's other people out there that tell me, and I, it, it, it's a great, it's great that they think that for me. And some of my friends from, from the marshal service, they're like, you deserve your retirement credentials. You deserve your retirement ID card that you were a marshal and your retirement badge. Of course. But I'm so discouraged. Uh, uh, it, I, I don't care about it anymore. They destroyed it. They destroyed a piece of that in my life forever. Well, it seems and it like was they discredited another man. themselves too. They did. And it, it, it crushes me because I love my job. Job. I loved it. I loved the guys and girls I worked with. I had an exciting career. It was tough, tough as hell, but it was the greatest thing I did. And the relationships I have with some coworkers are unbreakable. And I helped so many people in their career. And that's great. And those people still are my friends today and we still talk. But what the agency leadership did for me just put the worst taste in my mouth forever. Like I have no, I lost that feeling of pride and being proud I of guess, what they did to me. I guess corruption will do that to you, right? Because, I mean, it's clearly a form of corruption, whether it's big or small. It's, but and, and that's what it is. And it really comes down to it. And at one point, I had my dad with me when we went before the hearing with the marshals. 
and he he listened into what they had to say about me and it was such a moment and I fought back and my lawyers did a great job and at the end of that that day my dad and I were were leaving the office and for you know for my dad to look at me and he's a Vietnam veteran and he was a city worker in New York and to tell me right you know to see what I went through and not really understand the process but to tell me you know face to face in my eyes like he was proud of me that was it I won yeah that, that definitely know, would I, be the I moment did it. for me too <laughs> you won I won I did it you know and um, and he knew it too he's like you know he's he his saying he goes even though you, even though you won you lost because I lost so much money I lost so much of my my person but today it takes it, it takes time for it to come back to you you know you get yourself built up again you know I'm back to having that that confidence and courage you know to to stand tall and be proud of my name. And that's all that's all I need. And for to go backwards again, they say how some of my old coworkers like you deserve your credentials. I get what they're saying and I appreciate that. But I don't need it. I don't need it to move forward. I was able on my own to great get a great retirement job and do do the work that I used to love and deal with some great people now. It's in the civilian world. It's not law enforcement, but I'm helping so many other people. Yeah, no kidding. Your story alone is inspiring to so many, whether they're in uh, the U.S. or in Canada or, or elsewhere to kind of stand up and and not take the bullying or the corruption or the old boys way, if you will. Robert, what is um before we cap this bad boy off? What is something that you would want someone to take away from this? As long as you know in your heart that you're right and you you're telling the truth, stay in it, keep going forward. And if you're if you're not and you're trying to fool yourself, get in your mind to to know the truth. Don't. Don't go off a lie. Stand your ground if it's good or bad and then own it. Own it. If you did something wrong, own it. And if you did something right, own it and move forward. But don't don't use your your matter to, to hurt somebody because you're trying to protect yourself. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't say that, that better myself. That's all I see it as. So, you know, and, I, and it's, it's a shame because, you know, the corruption gets to gets to people, but don't let it do it. You know, it's, it's not that bad and you'll, you'll get through things. You really will. It's all time. I think that's what it all boils down to. I think you just got to give it, it's time to do what it's got to do. Right. Yes. Unfortunately. Yes. You need time. You got to have patience. Yes. Where can these uh, fun people find you at there, Robert? Well, you know what? The only big social media thing I have is LinkedIn and I am um, under my, my name, Robert Lediger. And, um, and the other thing that, that I'm part of is the, the national police defense foundation. They created a legal defense fund for me. Um, I'm not looking for money, but my story is there. My, if you Google me, my, my story is out there and, you know, please, if anybody wants to know more or needs any sort of advice or help to get me through LinkedIn and we'll connect that way. And, um, I hope to, to help somebody else out. There's no doubt someone will reach out to you and get the help they deserve from you. Like I was saying to you earlier, Robert, you are an inspiration. And I am sorry you went through this, but kind of like you said, you're not sorry. And I'm kind of glad you did because now you'll kind of guide the way for people not to suffer and be able to know the process in which they need to take in order to over uh, over correct or not over correct, but correct the wrongs that are happening, even in law enforcement. Right. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for your your opinion of me. I I appreciate that. It's just what I see, man. It's just what I see. I just call it as I see it. Just like yourself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you have to. Thank you. No problem. Robert, you were a pleasure. Folks, 
please reach out to Robert. He's an amazing individual and I'm sure he'd be happy to help you. A wise person once told me nobody likes to tip, so that's why we go deep. Go deep. Go deep. This is Go Deep Productions. Thank you for listening to Go Deep, the podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we give our opinions like we have a clue. You can find us on all forms of social media. If you would like to reach out to the show, email us at GoDeepThePodcast at gmail.com. And remember, always go deep.